case, we just recorded one. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Cafe Cool Cafe. Would this be episode six or seven? Oh, uh, that's a wonderful question. Um, let's go with six. Let's go with let's six. Let's go with six. Like, uh, like Jeremiah said, uh, it's Cafe Cool Cafe. I'm Stefan. And I'm Jeremiah, as Stefan just mentioned. And we are coming to you reporting after opening day and the Mets getting their butt whooped. Oh, uh, we're starting with the... I thought we were going to start with good news. Oh, God. I mean... I think we need to start with the current energy that we're under. Current energy? You mean the same fucking energy our whole lives? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, if you grew up a Mets fan, you realize this is, like, the most Mets way to lose a game, right? So the Mets have what you would consider to be the best pitcher in baseball. The guy is so good, he threw two types of pitches yesterday, a fastball and a slider, and they couldn't freaking touch it. Like, he's that level good. Yeah, he was stunned on him. He was like, you know, let me just fuck around with my fastball for a bit. Oh, they just, you know, like, it, like, you know when a video game player is so good that you're just kind of phoning it in? Dude, yeah. Jacob deGrom is an all-99 player in MLB The Show. Like, he's the kind... They cannot touch the ball. It feels like he's playing a video game. He'll have those games where, like, his control isn't quite there. But when he warms up, like, I don't... They cannot touch the ball. His ball placement is elite. The guy is incredible. But unfortunately for him, his team could just never give him any run support. And the moment he sits down, it, it's interesting to say that the Mets have the best pitcher in baseball, but they struggle with pitching. Like, their pitching lineup is one of the worst. Let me read you some fun facts over here. Okay. Coming to you with fun facts. Capicua facts. Jacob DeGrom now has a 2.07 ERA. For those who don't know and just tuned in, they're inundated with baseball. I'm sorry, but also I'm not. Uh, just know that's fucking legendary. That is the third best all time. It means he pitched good. That's yeah. all you need to know for 2.07 ERA. Right. Yeah, that's he pitched the, real good. The guy won a Cy Young. Cy Young is essentially the MVP for pitchers. He won a Cy Young with a sub one, a sub two ERA rather. That was like sub one. <laughs> no, 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 a sub two ERA. It was like a like one point seven or something like that, which is like unreal. So now, uh, now you imagine again. You don't know baseball for fuck all, but you're listening because you love us. Wonderful, amazing. Thanks. Thank you. We I'm love wearing you. a beach house shirt. Um, now it would follow. Pitchers pitching really well, right? You expect them to win most of those games. You would think, but you you clearly don't know the Mets mythology. Because I'll read you. I, I didn't finish the stat. So, mm -hmm. 2.07 ERA since 2018. So, you know, about the last two seasons, he's been consistently legendary. Um, and the Mets are 36 and 41 in his starts. So, they've won 36 times, lost 41 times. And out of those 41 times they lost, he, he only lost 10 games himself. They lost 31 games for him out of that 41. He only lost 10 games, but the team itself lost 31 games for him. Welcome to what it is to be a Mets fan, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't a good sign. You know, this like, isn't a good sign. Every time the Mets are good, something dramatic happens in my life. I don't... Good thing they're not good often, uh, <laughs> but they're about to be good. In theory, in theory, this is like, oh, we're different this time. There's a new owner. Uh, we got all these new players. Did I send you the meme that they put on um, Twitter of Lindor's first game as a Met? And, um, damn. 
Was it you that sent it to me? Oh yeah, 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 yeah you, you just sent it to me. Damn, bitch, you live like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> man, the Met. But on that note, onto a brighter pastures. So. What are you gonna kill me? <laughs> no. I think recently some of the things that we've done is watch films. You yeah. know, we not, watch, not movies. We've been watching films. We've been watching films, and um, there's something that I've been holding on to for a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, is it? Are you gonna? Is this? Is this before sunrise? A hundred percent before sunrise. All right. So I, I'm gonna point this out to myself, Stefan. I need you to play the clip from the previous episode where you said explicitly that those two people did not fuck in Before Sunrise. What makes it work is that they don't fuck. On camera. They don't fuck, man! That's the whole purpose of the movie! <laughs> you think they fucked? Oh, when they were making out in the grass? 100%. No! I, no, I disagree. I refuse to believe that they fucked. I think that's like your, your own innocence about the film. Now, I need you to play the clip in the second movie that Jeremiah is referencing you anymore it's about that time that moment in time that is forever gone i don't know you, you say all that but you didn't even remember having sex so of course i remembered you did yes mm. women pretend things like that i don't know they do yeah what was i supposed to say that i remember the wine in the park and us looking up at the stars fading away as the sun came up we had sex twice you idiot <laughs> That being said, you know, I think the one- You're missing a prime chance to just say, I told you so. Just the lead off. Start. I think, I mean, I told you so. All right, all right. I told you so. That is, um, that is not enough for the level of explanation <laughs> that, I, that, I, that I need to do right now, right? <laughs> because you're one of these person, people who, <laughs> I love you to death. You, when you have an argument, and a lot of times you are right. You will argue it to the ground. And it's kind of like, sometimes you just, you're like, I'm gonna beat you into submission with my correctness. <laughs> and I'm like, Stefan, they fucked. Stefan, they fucked. And you're like, no, they did not. The beauty of the film is that they did not fuck. The next movie, we watch it. And it's like, boom. And it's just like, uh, it's like- Not that. only did they fuck, they fucked twice. They fucked twice. <laughs> Did they even just, just to screw it, just to twist the knife into just me. Just to twist the knife. And I just remember his jaw looking at that movie like, because for years. <laughs> so mind you, for those who don't know, uh, the distance be, 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 be uh, before sunrise and what's the only one after what? Before sunset? Before sunset. Is a nine years in between or something like that? Sure. <laughs> I, I can't remember. There's like a, a long amount of time in between the two movies. Right? So Stefan had obviously seen the first one, but he never bothered to see the second. So for like- It's, it's perfect. It's so for like 15 years of his life, he's been romanticizing the fact that these two people did not have sex. And that was the beauty of the movie. I, I saw the movie <laughs> once and I was like, Stefan, they had sex. And he's like, no, because obviously when you've been believing something for the better part of a decade, <laughs> You, you hold on to this. You hold on to it for dear life. All right, to be fair, there was no evidence one way or another. It could have been, so that is a debatable so thing. So the sex was not on camera. 
But if you guys haven't seen the movie, please go watch it. It's actually a very good movie. She has like this brown dress and she had on like a white shirt under the dress. And in the morning, she has the brown dress and she's holding the white shirt in her hand. Implying I took it off. Sure, but that doesn't mean they fucked. That, was the, impl- the ep- that was the implication the, in the movie. The implication is she took her shirt off. That doesn't mean they fucked necessarily. No, I think this was you trying to convince me that they didn't fuck. <laughs> when in fact, I saw, I was like, Stefan, she took off the shirt. And you're like, that doesn't imply anything. And I was like, no, that was the implication. It, it implies she took off her shirt. <laughs> Why would she take off her shirt? There to show her titties. Because they fucked. They, there are things you can do that don't involve fucking. Stephanie. I know I'm wrong. I know. Like, <laughs> I love that you're, you're, you are so attached to the fact that, that you're still trying to argue this when you know for a fact that they did. No, I, they did fuck. I am wrong. I, yes, I admit yeah, that I am wrong. Yeah, but you're still trying to argue that they, like, you're still trying to make the same but My point is, it's still an extrapolation on both sides. The romanticism of the movie is they didn't fuck on camera. You yeah. saw their entire day together, and it happened, but we didn't get to see it as yeah. an audience. Yeah. But the implication of her, t- there's no good reason for her to take her shirt off. There, there are so many good reasons. There's no good reason. There's no, like, again, this is you trying to justify that they did it. Anyway, we don't need to go long on this. <laughs> I know, I, we've already discussed this about the shirt. We, 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 we have discussed this about the shirt. But the whole point is, he was wrong, and I was right. <laughs> And it felt amazing. You gotta put like, I'll put a victory song on this. What what is a good like? We are the champions. You don't got the copyright for fucking Queen. <laughs> oh, we do six seconds. We can do six seconds of it. But it, it was like that moment when, because you know, Stefan with his pure SAG energy. <laughs> you know, you know what it is. Also, I think because I saw that in high school and I was an abstinent little Christian boy mm-hmm. that I was like projecting all my like sexual rage at them and I'm like what makes it better is that they don't upset Jesus mm. <laughs> now we're getting to the bottom of it yeah. <laughs> yeah I think there's something there man might be might be I think part of you know all I wanted to let say is that I was right and you were wrong. Yeah. That's it. We, we could change the subject. We could move on. We could also discuss before... Sun, is it sunset? Before midnight? No, before I, midnight's the third one. Before sunset. Before sunset. You know... Which was a perfect sequel, man. It was a perfect sequel. Usually they say the second one wasn't... It's usually never as good or the sequel's never as good. That was actually a perfect sequel. Man. There was that like that tension. One of the biggest differences is some of the truth of the first one comes out, like the fact that wait, oh, was that in the first one that he got broken up with by his girlfriend? Was that in the first one? Or this? Uh, I don't. Hmm, wait, I don't think he mentions it in the first one. Because I'm trying to remember, did he mention it when they got to the bar? They did. He did. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So he meant. So in the second one, he's married with a child. In a very, like, loveless marriage. In a very loveless marriage. I think it might have been, like, they got married because she got pregnant, and it was like, screw it. But they at the end of the first one, they, they agreed to meet up with each other. He shows up. Damn. And I think her grandmother died. 
Her grandmother died around that time. Yeah. Around that time, so she didn't show up. But also, nah, 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 nah. You know what? You live in France. This motherfucker traveled all the way from Texas to go to France to see. Right? Not even. No, there was. Where were in, Um, is it Vienna? Yeah, but did he go to Vienna? Or did he go to? He France? went. He went to Vienna because they agreed to meet at that train station. Okay. Okay. So Paris to Vienna is a way shorter trip than the United States. Yeah. You know, but like, what I what, what works about that is that like, it's that middle ground. You understand both sides, but you like, damn, son. I, you know what's funny? I don't. <laughs> You're like, nah, she's for the streets. <laughs> <laughs> like, again, but this is also the mind of like a modern day person of like, who the like, we would have been like, oh, we're not gonna exchange numbers. You would have looked her up on freaking Instagram like three thousand times. <laughs> you would have. It's just a fact. It's, it's an unfortunate part of our new society but yeah. it, it is right like there's no way that i'm like i'm just gonna show up in a foreign country without a person's number or any way to contact that me. skype sex finna be lit you know what i mean but <laughs> before sunrise and the 2010s for 2020 you know what i mean i think we needed we also tried to watch the the third film but I mean, we're, we'll get there. It's we'll like, get there. We started it. I think we were immediately turned off because they were like parents and we're like, ill. They were. Why parents. would you do that? It's <laughs> interesting because I remember arguing the entire second film how I wanted them to end up together. And then the start of the, the third, they end up together. And I'm like, ah. right? They jumped the shark. You're like, they jumped the shark. I, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like this romance is like, will it not, will it or will it not happen? Again, we, I, I can't judge the third film because I haven't seen it. But it has that going against it because all the time you were rooting for them to get together, it's like, yeah, all right, cool, we did it. Yeah. I mean, it's, after, it's like Jim and Pam get married and you're like, great. Yeah, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, like, again, like, I said this about the first one in the last episode about Before Sunrise, but what makes this movie also work is what's unsaid. Mm -hmm. And there's still like those tender moments, like that chemistry is. Oh nuts. my god, there's this moment in the in the that they get in a cab, and this is like when all the bullshit kind of falls apart. When she's just when she was trying to act like, oh no, like I'm fine without you, and they had this moment of like he's like I'm unbelievably unhappy, and I've been thinking about you basically since the last time I saw you, and she, he's looking away from her, and she like goes to reach to like touch him and he turns his head at that moment and she like pulls back and that is like one of the most beautiful moments that i've seen captured on film because okay. it's it's like you saw that like inner monologue in her of i've been thinking of this too oh, yeah oh man yeah even like that whole monologue about like the dream he has like oh it, it's just hard like that is and this is all from like just like a, a two-person shot in the back of a taxi cab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beautiful movie. Oh man, and like just and you know it's you know it's we already said they get together. Fuck you. Um, if you haven't seen this, is on you. Yeah. I don't think it's ruining it though. No, like you like I felt like I was watching the Mets win a game. Like when they when they got together, I was like, yes! <laughs> it felt like a walk-off home it's run. Like, it's like the A team. It's like you love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> like, it was like, and like even that, like when she was like, you're gonna miss your plane. He's like, I know. And you're like, ah! 
Yeah, he's like, he's like, hey, listen, I saw you. I didn't think I was. I ain't going back. It's like, it's, it's almost like if he left her apartment, he was going back to prison. <laughs> ain't that crazy? That was his behavior toward it, where he's just like, no. It's like you're sending me to purgatory jail or whatever. I wanna I wanna see like the extra feature. Like I wanna see the other movie where like the wife's like, where the fuck is he? Like waiting at the airport, like where's this bitch at? That that would be a hilarious short film. Oh just oh not hilarious, it'd probably be kinda of fucked up, but just her at the airport, like he never called. Right? Cause this is like pre-cell phones. <laughs> So she waiting there like, yo, he said he'd be on flight 405 from Paris. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and, yo, that that reminds me, like, speaking of, like, bonus features that I wish existed in movies, mm. thought of this because I didn't, I don't know if you know this, but Austin Powers has a bunch of deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Specifically. I have the, the DVD. Which Austin Powers is this? The first one. Okay. Because I think I have the DVD. But there are deleted scenes where every time a henchman is killed, it cuts to the henchman's family finding out that the henchman's been killed. Oh, I don't think I've seen that, but that sounds hilarious. <laughs> so, like, this is the one I saw specifically, do you remember the steamroller? Like, the little mm-hmm. roller, the guy's like, stop! You know, that, like... Well, he had more than enough time to get right. out of the way. So, as he's getting flattened, it cuts to, like, a homemaker, you know, housewife, like, rolling dough. <laughs> <laughs> and a very, just, like, 50s household. Yeah. And then, like... She gets a phone call like, yes, my husband does work for a doctor. Hello? Yes, this is Mrs. Harwin. Yes, my husband is the henchman in Dr. Evil's private army. What? Oh my God. Thanks for calling. Hi, Mom. Sit down, Billy. I've got some bad news. Your stepfather was run over by a steam. But mom, since dad left, she's been like a father to me. People never think how things affect the family of a henchman. And I'm like, you know, if they kept that, that would probably that would almost make it my favorite movie of all time. If they if they kept all those scenes in every time a henchman was killed. Yeah. Oh, that's this is the Stefan director's cut like yeah, I, yeah, yeah i would i'd be the only one in the theater dying at this yeah <laughs> everyone else would be like what the because it's the kind of thing like if it's done <laughs> once or twice but i'm like if every single hand i'm like that is a long movie of just watching <laughs> the reaction of people's families <laughs> but it is a thing that is i would love for that it's seldom seen in films like you watch a James Bond movie, which is what Austin Powers is making fun of, if you didn't know. If you didn't know, you're an idiot. <laughs> Jeremiah was being nice. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> I, I, you know? I am. I, I believe I believe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, mean? I just want people to know you should feel bad for not knowing that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, good. Um, but yeah, in James Bond movies, people die all the time, and you never see the reaction of like their loved ones. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, which is not what the film is about, like, but it is funny in a way. It's like the only good SNL sketch worth visiting in the last few years is the, um, 
the one where Bruce Wayne meets all the victims of Batman, and they're all henchmen who were like trying to get their kids stuff for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a, a scene in uh, SNL of Batman? It was like him just beating the crap out of people. Yeah. Was that it? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like I had an eight, and someone broke my spine. <laughs> all. I don't know if we mentioned it in the po- podcast as well. There's another film that we saw that. A masterpiece, in my opinion. <laughs> that Stefan has, uh... Stefan was hyping this film up. To the point that, like... The only thing that I can compare to to this is... This one time, my cousin comes home, right? And he's like, yo, I had the most amazing burrito. Like, I've never had a burrito this good. And I'm just like... And it's this, like, burrito cart that's, like, down the street from my house. Alright, He hyped this burrito up uh-huh. so much that I'm like looking out the window waiting for the car to come. I'm like going downstairs. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I've been waiting for this burrito all day. I'm looking down the block. <laughs> you taste it in your mouth. <laughs> I'm tasting it because he said it was so damn good. What kind of burrito did he have? It was like a vegetable burrito. I, yeah. That, if... If you were in love with a vegetable burrito, I'd be like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yo, and that, that's that's why, because I'm like, yo. What do they do? Like, yeah. What the hell did they do to this vegetable burrito? Did they seize the cactus or something? Fuck. Bro, I'm like, man, I cannot wait to eat this. This sounds like it's about to slap. Have the burrito. Uh-huh. Terrible. <laughs> Aided it. <laughs> Was there anything good about the burrito? No. Flavorless, bland. I, and it's like that. He hyped it up so much that I, just, I, I was just staring at him because I was like, "Yo, like." <laughs> He's just eating the burrito in slow motion. Like I'm just eating, you raggedy bitch. Every bite, I'm just like staring at him. He's like, "Oh man, I, 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 it was good yesterday." <laughs> That's what he said. It was good yesterday. That that is that is kind of the way that I feel about man. <laughs> And like, I it's a two-hour movie. Yeah, it's like a two-hour, two and a half hour. <laughs> Jeremiah said here like that shit felt like eight hours. Yo, like I, that movie was like really bad sex when you could just like you can't wait for it to end. <laughs> and I strongly disagree, just for the record. And that is. Oh, so you're the kind of person where you're having bad sex, you're like, I cannot wait for this to continue. Yeah, I, I get <laughs> you're like, it. You're like a masochist. You're like, I cannot wait for this to continue. Can't wait to see how this turns out. Can't wait to see how this turns out. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I kept trying to like... The equivalent is like, if he was eating the burrito and trying to enjoy every bite, and then I was just watching him eat it slowly. <laughs> That's another thing. Like, every single scene, he would look at me like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, God. And, like, there's this small part of me that wants to watch it again just to see what it is that you see in it. Because you love this movie. I love Mandy. I think it's an amazing movie. And it has, like, a 98 rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So, clearly, I'm the one in the wrong. Like, Jeremiah thought I was, I was, like, fucking with him. Like, I was showing him a snuff film. Because... The reason why I thought you were fucking with me is because every you just kept on looking at me like, huh? huh? <laughs> like with that look of like, tell me this is the greatest thing you've ever seen. So I'm like, 
he has to be fucking with me. <laughs> he, I, I, in my head, I cannot believe that you actually thought. So I'm like, yeah, he must be fucking with him. And when I was like, I went to the bathroom. I come back after these... these these excruciating two hours. <laughs> and and I'm just in there like, yo, that was great. And I'm like, I fucking hated that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were so disappointed. Because you, so- you hit it pretty well, too. Like, you were, you were neutral. And I was like, all right, maybe he's soaking it in. I know it's like a weird movie. So, like... <laughs> I- and I, and, I, and I don't like asking people if they like it so far because you don't know. You don't know. Like sometimes yeah. the ending ruins a tree or whatever. Yeah. I think it's just like, <laughs> it was strange. It was very campy. Oh yeah, extremely. Um, I would love to hear how you, desc- you would describe the plot of Mandy to someone who's never seen it. <laughs> this is my thing. And I don't know if part of it is because as an actor, you're told not to judge things or not to judge the character. Okay. When it comes to films, I generally tell, like, make your own assessment of it. I thought it was this. Right. You know, but I I, I never tell someone what to think. Mm-hmm. So describing the plot of Mandy, I say, you know, it's weird. But right. make because, you, again, you, you know. Right. What is Mandy about? Like, again, like, you're... You know, it's this construction worker who's married or engaged or dating this unbelievably weird girl who who works at at a gas station convenience shop who reads strange books and just kind of stares into the abyss and mumbles her words (laughs) and there's this cult and the one another weird thing about is that the cult leader leader's name is jeremiah (laughs) And he's a weirdo. You know what I mean? So that's another thing that made me uncomfortable about the movie is that they kept on saying my name as weirdly as possible. <laughs> you know, that that's also... So the cult leader kills the girlfriend, which now leads the construction worker to go into this vendetta of trying to kill the people who killed his girlfriend. And then he goes and he ends up in this, like, gimp, oil lathered meth house <laughs> which I'm still not I don't know what this actually has to do with the plot of the film why are they lathered in oil in car oil that has like black soot you know and I still don't know what that has to do with the film I'm still not even completely sure because it was like supposed to be like some, I guess some sort of Jesus cult, but I'm like, or religious cult, and I'm like, but then why are you murdering people? That's what the and that's the what whole, the Muslims ask the Crusaders. <laughs> sure, and then the film is like in purple, <laughs> and there's like odd colors, and he like, I think there is one scene that I thought was fucking brilliant and it's right after they killed his girlfriend for some odd reason he keeps the vodka in the bathroom but he walks into the bathroom wait actually i can explain that what in the beginning someone offers him a beer and he says i don't drink Mm. so he what the assumption is he's like a recovering alcoholic right so but like 
I guess, like, I, and I've known, like, some people who are alcoholics to, like, hide some shit somewhere just in case, like, always have their thing on him. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Sorry, you're gonna continue, yeah. Like, so he goes into the bathroom, and he just opens up this bottle of vodka, drinking straight from the bottle, because why would he need a cup right now? He's in pain. He needs this. They're also covered in blood, just escaped a barbed wire oh. set up. That like was in his mouth, his hand. Yeah, he's he just gotten tortured a little bit, saw his girlfriend be burned alive, like pretty gruesome. And he just proceeds to drink vodka and yell. And I thought it was probably the most brilliant three minutes of acting I've seen. Right, single shot. Single shot. One take. And this is the the first moment also that the movie goes to actual color oh like like because like it was neutral, like yeah like cause it was like black and white and then it was like purplish color and this is the moment when it's just like a set yeah a, like i i don't know how, how to technicolor i don't know like the way that we see life that's the only Whereas way the most realistic colors in that movie the is most, that scene is that scene and it was some of the most brilliant acting i've ever and there were no lines it was just like, that's probably exactly what my reaction would be if this had just happened to me. And you know what's funny? We didn't even mention this actor's name. We have not. Nicholas motherfucking Cage. Nicholas, <laughs> my man. Nicholas motherfucking Delivering Cage. one of his best performances in a movie not many people have seen. <laughs> you know, I described this movie to somebody and the, their reaction was like, oh, I love that movie. And I was like, why? And he was like, because it's so bad, it's good. The devil is a liar. <laughs> he said, it's so bad, it's good. Lies. <laughs> that movie's brilliant. Uh, I, again, yeah. I, there's the, because I must be wrong. <laughs> I've seen great movies that Ryan Tomatoes has given like a bad sure. score to. This was like 90 something. I, th I think it was like 98. And the audience certified it fresh as well. And I'm like, I have to be wrong. I Can I give you my plot summary of, of Mandy? Go for it. Like, they're pretty similar. I just wanted to hear, like, like you know, okay. like, your processing of it. Okay. Not that it's wrong. I just, you know, like, you know, mm -hmm. reality is subjective. Um, Mandy tells the story of a couple, uh, both kind of outsiders who live in the Pacific Northwest. It's set around like the stopic 80s, kind of off 80s culture. Like there's a Reagan speech in the background. Um, Nicolas Cage is a lumberjack. And after like, I guess one of his jobs goes back home to his girl and they're both just like, you know, it's like where the, those, you know, that weird couple that's weird together. So it works. That's them. He's less weird than she is. Yeah. But like, I feel like they've both been through shit, but like they get, you know. Yeah, okay. Um, and also because the, it's the Pacific Northwest in the 80s, you have these like super bizarre, micro abusive, like Jesus cults stem from like botched acid, terrible music, um, and a misread of the Bible or a proper read of the Bible. <laughs> um, and they spot Mandy and whatever whatever Nicolas Cage sees in Mandy, the cult leader, Jeremiah, uh, sees <laughs> in her. 
and basically like begs his cult to like kidnap her. Um, and it seems that the cult leader has some like occult connection with some like satanic biker gang, like kind of supernatural vibes. It feels like like Hellraiser, Death Grips, Mad Max gang. The assumption is also they've done so much acid that they're just completely fucked up. Um, so that's their life. They made themselves like grease demons or whatever. But they they have an arrangement basically. Like they can like, you know, like they trade bodies and shit like that for like favors, it appears. So they kidnap Mandy uh, and they kidnap uh, Nicolas Cage's character. I don't think we ever get Nicolas Cage's character's name, I realize. I don't think we do. Huh. Fuck. I've only seen the movie like 89 times. Uh, <laughs> and they inject Mandy with like copious amounts of acid. Um, again, which explains the colors, by the way. Thematically, if you've taken a hallucinogenics. It's a psychedelic movie. Yeah. Was, if yeah. you've taken a hallucinogenics, it's less jarring because you're like, uh, the, the, like, someone, like, these people have tripped. <laughs> they that have done this movie. Mm -hmm. um, but they give her an insane amount of like acid in the eye. And then inject like some uh, some wasp venom in her in her neck. Mm -hmm. That should fuck. That's the one that fucks me up the most. That that scene. Um, and they get her super drugged up. And uh, Jeremiah basically is like, "Hey, would you like to be like my hoe? <laughs> I don't know, or like my cult bay?" And she just laughs at him in this tiny dick. <laughs> just a literal scene of Jeremiah disrobing, presenting his naked body as he's playing some like jaunty ass 60s hippie song about light because that's what the fuck i do <laughs> and <laughs> i think that's there's a great acting scene there too like of her laughing and he just starts jerking off in front of her very like louis ck like very angry like don't fucking look at me <laughs> like very fucking angrily masturbated <laughs> pov you did a show with louis ck <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, he fucked up his own career. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so, in retaliation, it decides, like, I guess she's for the streets or for the Satan or whatever. And uh, hangs her upside down in, like, a burlap bag, sets her on fire as Nicolas Cage watches while tied up in, like, barbed wire around his entire body. Um, also, really great moment of acting with no words. And it's just like, you don't really see much of, the, you see like the body being burned in the bag, but they mostly focus on Nicolas Cage and like his like horror. Mm -hmm. You don't even hear him scream, but you just like see him yelling bloody murder at what's at bloody murder. Um, and then it becomes like a revenge movie. He's like, I, all right, I'm just going to kill everyone now. <laughs> mm hmm. And that's, that's fun. Like, I will admit the first time I saw it, it has an extremely slow beginning. I mean, they play the entire song by King Crimson, Starless. Which... To be fair, I think that sets the tone. You're like, oh, this is like a prog metal song. So it's going to be a very fucking long thing. But this song is like, what, seven minutes? At least. Or like, they, yeah, they, they played seven minutes of Starless. Yeah. They played the entire song. So let's say... Give it seven to ten. I can. I love the song, but when you're watching a movie and it's like, I think one of the also reasons why I hated the movie is because I kept on waiting for it to start. <laughs> for like, and now we're in forty-five minutes, 
<laughs> like the action of the movie, what is it, 15 minutes? No, no, no. The, Mandy dies like 40 minutes in. And the rest of the movie is revenge. Dude, I, <laughs> I swear that I kept on just waiting for this damn movie to start. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it, it is just, like, it's just like egging on. And like, it's, it's, it seems like it was a lot of choices that were very like, director driven. It's a very stylish, tone-ish movie. It's, yeah. I'm, I'll say it's visually beautiful. Yeah. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying that just story wise, I'm just like it's it seemed like a lot of self serving things. Oh probably. Yeah. You know what I mean? That I was just like, just give me the story. Like I don't need all of this. Like the move the tone is already weird. The movie's already weird. Like I don't I I don't speed this up. You know what I mean? I don't, like again, like I, it's the same way. Like I feel like people would say that about King Crimson. They're like, "All right, let's go here." I don't feel the same way. I know, but uh, that's how I feel about Mandy. Like, okay, yeah, again, I'm not saying that about King Crimson, but you could see someone saying that, like uh, hearing Starless and like today, Papa. <laughs> but, but you feel different about it because you love King Crimson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but I also just love that song. Yeah, it's a great song. And like, if you haven't heard the song Starless by King Crimson, there's a lot of anticipation that you don't exactly see coming if you've never listened to the song. Like Mandy. No. <laughs> but I could see... The thing to me about the resolution of Mandy or the climax is that it wasn't as fulfilling as Starless. When Starless reach, reaches the climax, it's kind of like, oh, is this release? Right. Again, it, it, again it's a style, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of taste. It, like, it is a matter I, of taste. Every, that's life, right, though. Yeah. I lost my shit when there was a chainsaw fight, and I feel like you rolled your eyes. You were like, what the fuck are they doing? Not only was it a chainsaw fight, but this motherfucker pulls out, like, a 10-foot fucking chainsaw. <laughs> like, the longest... It, it, it was basically like a cock fight. Yeah, it's it was exactly like a, what it, it is. It was like a dick-swinging contest. It's exactly what it is. And it's kind of like... A lot of it is also like, why the fuck do you care? <laughs> you know what I mean? And not in the terms of the cult leader, or but it's just like, it was like, obviously he's not some random dude. He probably is part of the cult, but it's like, why are you fighting? I mean, it's kind of like a video game. Sure. You got different boss levels. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and also like the cult leader, like once he finds them in like this, there's like this wooden church and he's like in this like whole inside the wooden church and he's high off his ass and on on acid and he's telling Nicholas Cage that he's gonna suck his dick. <laughs> Fighting for his life, he's like, I'll suck your dick, man. I'll suck your dick, I'll man. suck it so good. <laughs> oh, I'll blow you, man. I'll suck your fucking dick. <laughs> Is that what you want out of me? Please, please talk to me. And, and I'm just like, 
It's like he was begging for drugs, but he wasn't gonna get any. And it's just like, I didn't get it. And it was like, it showed a lot of hypocrisy toward like, and again, I'm not saying that all religious things are like this, but, and I guess we could cut this off if you don't want it, but it's like, That's he he was supposed to be this like religious leader yeah. offering a homosexual act saying yeah. I'll suck your dick yeah cause he lost yeah I, I I think that's the point I think the point is like because he is a fake messiah or a fake prophet of course he's full of shit and he would do that yeah so I felt like it was this criticism toward religion of like oh he's trying to act like he's all Jesus all, all God like yeah. I mean I think that's I think that's the point or like, I think that's like what it's getting at about the cult too Mm. Is that like everyone just like blindly follows this, this icon? I guess because like either heavy drugs or because they're a charismatic figure, mm-hmm. or because I mean like most cults like that's how, you know that's how they, so like it didn't bother me that like when cults are inconsistent, most religions are inconsistent, <laughs> and most cults are. Is it, one and also most cults are insanely violent at some point. And I don't understand why. Right, that's a, okay, but that's a problem with cults, not think, because of Mandy. <laughs> no, 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 not 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 Mandy, because now we're yeah. go, that that that's a, a completely different conversation. Yeah. Um. Also, but, mad cult leaders did mad gay shit, and like because they're no, like, but yeah. cults is all about control. Yeah. Because some people feel like they need something to believe in. Yeah. And they chose this person because they could actually see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. it it's vulnerable people. I mean, like, why? It's, it's it is it is a toxic relationship, and most toxic relationships start when people are vulnerable. Yes. And someone takes advantage of that vulnerability. Yeah. So uh, you know, you love the movie. I hate the movie. <laughs> I'm not sure if either of us did a job of selling people on watching this. Like, I feel like enthusiasm sells, man. If you don't want to see a chainsaw fight, like, I don't know what to tell you. I, 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 if someone was like, yo, Nicolas Cage gets in a chainsaw fight, I'd be like, I'm watching that movie. That's all it would take. I'm a film snob, but if I heard that, I'd be like, yo, I'm watching that. But this, I mean, again, this movie is that, I think it's because of the strange tone and how long it takes to get there. I feel like sometimes I get impatient. <laughs> I'm like a thoroughbred New Yorker. That I, like, my, my, my patience is lacking. Like, I don't have time for this. You know what I mean? That's it. I think that's what it is too. Like because I'm a film student, like the amount of shit that I have to just sit there and wait. I'm like, all right. You know, but I mean, I, that's not to say that I wouldn't watch a long movie. I saw The Irishman. I didn't finish The Irishman. <laughs> you didn't finish The Irishman? No. Why not? I didn't care. I didn't, like really, some a, a Scorsese snob like yourself. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I feel like he's like going over the same territory and he's not learning anything new. I... And again, he is one of the best American directors, like, and I won't take that away from him. And I would love to hug him one day, you know, but... You know... But, I, like, that... It just didn't call out to me. Will I finish it one day? Maybe? You should for the sake of discussing it. Yeah. If you ever wanted to have a conversation about it. Um, I will say stylistically it's very him right i understand what you mean by not covering new ground or like but it's like 
Where, like, how many times? How much you... ground are you really covering? That's new as an eighty-something-year-old, damn near eighty-year-old man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think again, and this is coming from a, of a director that you hate. <laughs> but um, I literally just forgot his name. Good. <laughs> um, I love dogs. Oh, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Which stylistically, pastels, white people, and it's the same tone. His tone is gentrification. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't mind him as much as you do. Like, I'll sit through a Wes Anderson film. I would. I wouldn't mind sitting through it, but the people that fucking love his movies and they're so validated by like bougie film critics that then they would be called out and be like, "This is Caucasian as fuck." I feel like, and like again, that's my problem. And you, I'm not sure if you and I have ever had this conversation on film, but Wes Anderson and Tyler Perry. Yeah, we did have this conversation. Uh, it's like on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. I th- yeah, like if, if yeah, like if someone as arrogant as a Wes Anderson supporter was like, was like Yo, Tyler Perry, is it? and like had a whole class of critics that supported that. And I, got, I guarantee you that somebody who loves Wes Anderson that he hears us compare him to Tyler Perry will probably lose their shit. And that is exactly why he's pretentious as fuck. Like, you know what I mean? But enough of that. That That's my point of, like, and like somebody... Before, huh? Like, that's the problem. Like, again, like, people are like, oh, you hate Wes Anderson movies. No, I actually enjoy, like, a good portion of them. I just don't understand what the crazy hype is about him. Same thing with Greta Gerwig. Like, I... <laughs> Like, again, when you sell gentrification as a brand, you're just kind of validating yourself. But I don't think you it's realize... It's an avatar for that. Like, I don't think you realize how many people identify with them. Yeah, and that's... That's pathetic. America. And that's pathetic. <laughs> it's pathetic. But that's... Oh, that is, like, literally those two directors are the country. And that... No, a specific brand. But the problem is because they have such an open discourse in the media... We we take them as America. Like for example, the average New Yorker is a non-white woman. Like demographically speaking, if you were like give me a random New Yorker, you'd either get a Latina or a black. Woman. Now I wasn't talking about New York solely. Fair I said enough. the country. Right, but even that, like th- they're upper middle class white folk. That's not the country. Demographically speaking, it would be think, a working class dude. I think. Or woman, depending on where what state. But a working class person from Minnesota who moves to New York, where are they moving? To a, they, they're gentrifying a neighborhood that's unbelievably expensive right. to work here. But again, if they're moving from Minnesota to New York to gentrify, or not to they're gentrify, not, I don't think not, they're even, not doing explicitly be like I'm kicking out some minorities. I don't <laughs> even think that people who gentrify do so on purpose. No, in the terms of people who actually move into the community, I think. The realtors and the people who like bring up like, oh, let's tear down this building and build this huge place with un with and let's make three apartments affordable. Right, but it's it's chicken. They're gentrifying, but I think it's chicken and the egg. They don't do it unless there's a market for it. Why is there a market? Because people want to move. Yeah. So like, and my problem with with the like, it's not their fault. Compliance. Compliance versus like enthusiastic consent to do the thing or you know they're the same if 
if the result is the same. It really doesn't matter if you're sad about doing something or, or guilty about it. If you're still doing it, you're still doing it. It doesn't matter what tone that you're doing it. Right. Like, if you're still complicit and, like, an inherently classes and racist, like, enterprise, it doesn't matter if you're like, yeah, but I'm really upset about it. You, you know, know, it's kind of one of those things that is also, because I've had the conversation with, like... Like, guilt, like guilt is the starting point. Yes. I had this conversation with, um... I, like, bumped into, like, one of my old college uh, classmates, and she she was with, like, her girlfriend, and her girlfriend was, like, probably a Midwestern white girl or whatever, and her girlfriend was, like, basically went on this right now about how, like, essentially she didn't want to be a gentrifier, but it also came off across as, like, a white person saying, I don't want to live around black people. So it's, it, it came as this thing of like doomed if you do, uh, damned if you damned if you do damned if you don't kind of thing. Because yeah. it's like when she was saying that at that moment, I'm like, like I hear you, but it's like this balance of like, is it? And I think what she was actually right. trying to say, and she was like a little tipsy. I think what she was trying to say is like, yo, like I'm a white person living in like Washington Heights. I'm like, I would rather not live there because that's a, like a Dominican community or a Latin community, black, whatever. Right. And I think that's 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 where she was coming from. Right. But I think like I know it sounds segregationist. It, so, it sounds segregationist. But like, as well. and here's and also like there is a I, like I, I used to be way more hardline about this. I think like in her case, there is a way to live within the neighborhood without colonizing it. Because that's my big thing about gentrification. It is an expansion of colonialism. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, like it's it is the assumption there are no there are no more lands to conquer, except like the land of, like, whatever, my fucking career. Right. As a consultant in horseshit ink. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, like, I think, like, people don't actively do this. They do this, like, tacitly, like, you know, like, subconsciously. Mm-hmm. That when you are moving to a city to follow your dream, you are actively deferring the dream of someone else that lives here. Right. People don't want to hear that, and people are going to be like, no, that's wrong. But if we are, like, if we're in a market-based city and you are raising, raising the price of someone that, like, isn't moving because this is their home, you you are making them compete hard. And, and it, You know, but... And, and, like, again, I'm not holding it against them for having, like, some, like, anarcho-Marxist, like, critique on, like, the way people live and consume. But I am saying is there is an assumption that they will be served. In every way, in every which way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem with gentrification. That girl in Washington Heights, how often does she go to the local restaurant? How often does she shop at the local that, market? Oh, how okay, often, yeah, right? How often does she take the subway? How often does she go to bars in different neighborhoods like the Lower East Side, but, don't, but not support the local business? How often does she get local coffee? Okay. And, and that's the problem because they expect to be served in the same exact way without learning something new in the fact they are visiting a different community. Okay. That I agree with because I've had had that same argument with someone about there's people who live in my neighborhood, but they'll and this is one of the reasons why. No, well, they occupy your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure, but they don't immerse themselves in the community yeah. in terms of like, and I was literally saying like, oh, I don't shop at Trader Joe's enough, partly because there's no Trader Joe's in my neighborhood, right? So I'll I'll go to the supermarket down the street because. Again, the taxes they pay benefit my own neighborhood. And it stays and, in you're paying people that live locally 
You know, if they, but if they were Trader Joe's in my neighborhood, like, I'd go. Yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? But, like, I would rather shop in a supermarket that's in my neighborhood. But I see people that occupy my neighborhood, as you say. And, and I'm calling them occupiers because they don't live in it. Like yeah. living to me also implies like your your what you spend, what you do surrounds that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And I think also like, which I do go to the businesses in my neighborhood. A lot of times I tend to go to businesses further downtown due to the fact that a lot of people that I know live in Brooklyn. So it's always like it's more of a halfway point thing because I, I also hate trying to act like a hypocrite because yeah. I'm like I probably don't go to the bars in my neighborhood as much as I should. Right. Like I will go to a downtown bar more, not because I don't want to go to the bar in my neighborhood, but because right. yo everybody lives in Brooklyn. Yep. So it, it um, going to a bar in like the village seems like the perfect the perfect it's a good halfway point to me. Yeah. And I think. That could be also part of it. I mean, I'm sure there's some cases to that, you know. But, yeah. And again, I think that lately a lot of people travel to New York treat consumption as a lifestyle and as the need of New York instead of actually living there. It's not so much... And I see, like, and that's why so many people left last year, too. It's because the city is no longer serving them. No, yeah. I don't... And I would... I can't, I can't disagree with it. I think, one, the city was no longer serving them in a lot in of... In every cases. way. Like, yeah. Not in every way, because I think there's a lot of people that also just lost lost their job and couldn't right, afford to live uh, No, those are exceptions. Though, like, that... I, I don't put that in the same umbrella. Mm, okay. Okay. But... Like, that's a material need. You're like, I can't afford that. Yeah. Okay. But I, I just... I, I feel like those people also needed to be acknowledged. Yeah, no, you're, for sure. Because yeah. I, I don't think every single person that left New York left New York. Is, no, you know, no, no. But no. I think there's a lot of people who, like, bought a mansion in Long Island or somewhere to be away from people because the city no longer served them. Right, and went back to mommy and daddy. And or went because, back to mommy yeah. and daddy somewhere because the city no longer served them. Right. Or in some cases, like, I just want to be away from people and I don't want to get right. sick. Like, I think we, like, the one thing that pissed me off the most, someone said they fled New York, and I was like, DK, fled? Yeah, I think... Fled? I was like... There are literal refugees that, like, fled, like, persecution to Dude, come to America like and some... do shitty jobs in New York, but you want to say you fled. Again, this is the... And this the specific group of people they were speaking of, the yuppies, that, to them, that's fleeting. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably the worst thing that has ever happened to them. Like, Dominicans f- fled, like, Trujillo. <laughs> like, through, like, nah, like, yeah, Trujillo, yeah, through, you know? yeah, 100%. 100%. And, you know, like... <laughs> no, yeah, that's... Like, that's fleeing. <laughs> and I think, again, and I don't disagree with you, I think that a lot of times, because we're from here, we take it personally. Right. Because you're not, you're not just... you're In your eyes, you're insulting the city. In our eyes, you're insulting our home. Yeah. Like, we don't have anywhere else to go yeah like where the fuck am i going yeah you know what i mean so i i I get your disdain toward that person and and i also and again this isn't like pure nativist like i've lived in different places like i lived in minneapolis for like five years i've lived in Paris. you know like exactly it's not home like fuck me for 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 my family having the balls to to make a home in like the greatest city in the world maybe your parents should have done that i'm sorry (laughs) Hey, <laughs> you cop out suburb. That, I, I have this that. question: If if fine, if money wasn't an issue, would have you you would have left New York in the middle of the pandemic? No. Okay. I also I think it's morally reprehensible in a pandemic to go places. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you don't have to. Because I will say this. I went to Virginia for a bit. Mm-hmm. Is it was quite liberating to not be locked in an apartment. Like if you have access to a yard. Yo, no, green space and, is huge. Yeah. No, yeah, but it's just like you go very loopy in an apartment by yourself, not doing shit. I don't disagree with that. Like no, and even yeah. like it's not, uh, but it's like during the pandemic, you spent more time in your apartment than you probably have ever. Yep. To the point that you're staring at a light switch and you, <laughs> and you feel the need to fucking change it. All right, for the record, I've changed several of the light switches in my Dude, apartment. Dude, this, he's, and don't get me wrong, they're nice, they're, I, I get why he would do that. Some of them are like now wireless, but it's also the fact of, I'm tired of staring at this. Conversely, they, I found a hobby that doesn't involve me going other places in a pandemic, and I learned a new craft. And that's fine. <laughs> it's not a judgment. It's an acknowledgement of, like, even you are going stir-crazy. Right, but there are different kinds of stir-crazy. Like, I could have done the aviator and piston bottles. <laughs> like, Sure. Yeah. Like, that's... This is a, it's turning something productive. Like, it's relatively harmless, too. Like, it's not like... Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Right, I learned a new Also, 7-Eleven, I think. The yeah, we, we're, we're going gonna to do a Mets interlude. Uh, yeah, we're we'll get back to this sometime later. But we'll go, Yeah, we'll come back to this sometime later. We, are we signing off now? Uh, We can sign off now. We can give a sign off and then... We can give a sign off and see what we do because we don't even know how long we actually recorded for. We could make also the other half of it and just put a couple of poems and a couple of songs in between it. This motherfucker spit. Make it like a three-part thing. Well, you heard it here. This is Kapikua Cafe. Let's fucking go Mets. Let's go Mets. Uh, I'm Stefan, Caramel Padre. And I'm Jeremiah. 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 So uh, stay woke. Um, Watch your consumption habits, I guess. Feel slightly guilty for gentrifying. I don't know. Um, Maybe. Or not. Just be aware, I guess. You know, we feel guilty about everything all the time. I do because I'm religious, you know, but... Uh, or raise religious, so you know, take yeah. it easy on yourself, but just think a little uh, bit more. Yeah, like for you know, like Austin Powers is clearly based off of James Bond. Like, be a conscious human being. Yeah, just be slightly more awake. Yeah, not necessarily woke, but a little bit more like caffeinated or something. Yeah, I still love you though. All right, see we you later. You. Have a great day. <laughs>